my name is Lee Robertson. Uh, I am a junior uh, at Central Michigan University. Uh, I My pronouns are they, them, and she, her. Basically, any pronouns that you would use to refer to a human person and not an object. Mm-hmm. So, no, it's... Uh, <laughs> right. I, you know... Fun, I guess one fact, fun fact about myself, I have a cat. Uh, her name is Cricket, and she's an asshole. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, and I'm excited, I'm really excited to be here, and, uh, hope, and hopefully be a good voice. So, first what I wanted to touch on is you describe intersex as a broad spectrum of conditions, so can you give us, like, a general definition of what, what it means to be intersex? Uh, intersex, and I'm going to give you a direct quote from the uh, INSA, I, no, sorry, ISNA.org, which is the Intersex Society of North America uh, official website, right. because they actually really could say it better than I could. Uh, intersex is a general term used for a variety of conditions in which a person is born with a reproductive or sexual anatomy that doesn't seem to fit the typical definitions of female or male. Um so this could mean, for example, a person is born with XX chromosomes, but they don't have, uh, like, they, they don't have outwardly, but they have a penis. Mm. A person with a penis can have XX chromosomes, or even there are variations within the chromosomes themselves. A person could be, like, one of the more common variations is XXY. Um, and, well, there are... So... I'm on the autism spectrum, so I know a lot about... So suffice to say, spe- the word spectrum has been thrown around a lot in my life. Right. And uh, that said, I believe that the autism spectrum and the intersex spectrum are very similar and that pretty much every intersex person you meet is going to have a variation in their intersex, like in their condition uh, from the next intersex person that you may meet. So, I mean, and it could be a very subtle or very, uh, very visible difference sure uh in my case personally uh i have uh male sex organ tissue surrounding my fallopian tubes and my ovaries and this was not discovered until i was around 20 so it came as quite a shock to me when i'm three days into my recovery still you know so wait really, you didn't uh, you didn't know you were intersex until you were in your 20s i did not no wow. that, it came as a complete it came as a complete surprise uh, I got, sur- I had a couple of ovarian cysts and I, like when, when the doctor went in to remove them, he found male sex organ tissue twisted up in my ovary. And, and what does tubes. that mean exactly? Male sex organ tissue? Like, what is that? I don't know. They didn't really, what's really bad, what's really sad is they didn't really give me a clear definition. Oh, they told God. me that it was like, it was tissue that probably, that developed that developed probably around the same time I was going through puberty. Uh, but, you know, I've had it since birth. It seems like kind of like the inverted penis type of thing. Wow. But my female anatomy works and is and looks absolutely 100% mm-hmm. like it should be. Okay. But I also have that extra, like, I guess, like that's the best way I can put it. I mean, the inverted penis thing might be a guess on my part, but they weren't really uh, that clear with me to begin with, so... It, it wouldn't surprise me, though, because I also have very large labia, and the doctors told me they weren't sure whether that was due to me being intersex or not. They said it, it could be, 
So you know what? I'm gonna, just gonna roll with it because right. Because I mean, my understanding of anatomy and chromosomes and uh, the way that uh, reproductive uh, tissues grow and produce is that the scrotum is essentially the equivalent to the labia. It is actually. Yeah. Um, so okay. what happens during, uh, like, when the sex organs are formed, and the sex organs are actually formed, they are the last. Uh, thing that the infant, or the last thing to be de- that the infant develops. So, you know, it develops its heart, its lungs, uh, its brain, all that stuff before the uh, sex organs. And that's why it usually takes so long for the doc- for doctors to be able to determine what the baby's sex is. Sure. It's also why it's hard to determine uh, any abnormalities uh, in the fetus's sex, pre- like, prior to birth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some are visible, like, but often they go unnoticed until birth. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I've heard of cases where babies are born, and this is, sounds horribly painful, where the labia are sealed together because that's essentially what the testicles are. Right, is, you know, yes. The labia sealed shut. Right. So infant, so infant, like, baby girls are born with their labia sealed shut. Oh, and I'm like, and yeah, I read about that, and I was like, oh, my God. Just, so, so then... It could be a lot worse, and I'm very, very thankful for my own... You know, that my own situation is not as severe. Right. So on the online doing my research, I'm seeing the word birth defect thrown around. How do you like how do you feel about that term being used to describe um, well, intersex? Well, I mean, that's exactly what it is. Okay. It's, it's, a, birth, it's, it's a birth defect. And okay. say, um, because, I mean, in the literal sense of the word, because I mean, what else can you call it? Right. It's something that occurs. And, you know, you're obviously you're born being gay. You're born as, you know, you're born with a predetermined sexuality. Right. I think uh, that word you know, birth defect is usually just a really good easy out for right-wingers it, and stuff to, yeah, to say really this is, is why it's wrong. In the intersex case, it's actually applicable. And that's why uh, some intersex, there's uh, a major uh, discussion and debate going on in the intersex community like it like should intersex people just as inter- just on the basis of being intersex like not counting what a sexual or romantic attraction they may have or what their gender identity may be just on the basis of being intersex that they belong in the lgbtq acronym mm-hmm. and some intersex inter- intersex folks say no mm-hmm. because it's for one thing we're not mar- for one thing we're not marginalized in the same way that the lgbtq community is but, you know, we do have some things in common in that both are highly stigmatized. You right. know, we have, we share some in common, but, you know, it's hard to tell. But I guess it, it varies from person to person how much uh, difference there is between the two and if they are similar enough to include intersex in the acronym. Because, as I mentioned, intersex is a birth defect. And mm-hmm. uh, having a birth defect be a part of the acronym could be potentially harmful to members of the lgbtq community itself because people say oh they have a birth de- oh intersex is a birth defect and that's in the acronym so you know gay gay must be a birth defect Lesbian yeah defect, see that's exactly so, why yeah. i was like hesitant so yeah there's this big so you know technically yes but also no <laughs> uh intersex much like the biological condition itself like intersex in a social in a but so, so many s words i my dad struggles with the same thing stuff in one ear he can't say S's and neither can I. Uh, but okay. anyway, intersex in social situations. Okay. Intersex in social situations 
is just as complex as it is on a biological level. Mm. And, you know, I hate using the term biological sex, but when talking about intersex, that's, you know... It's an important distinction. Like, yeah, that's, you know... Because it is all physiological, biological... You know, maybe if you change the terminology to physiological, it might sound a bit less harmful, but physiological is just more of a mouthful. Speaking of terminology, I'm sure there are um, words that are preferred when referring to, and then words that are not preferred. So do you want to go over some of those with us? Oh, absolutely. Um, I was just thinking about this before, before I hopped on. Uh, I was thinking about an episode of House that I saw when I was very young, and it was my very first introduction to what uh, I would later know as intersex. And it was a female patient who actually, in her adult life, found out that her parents had, like she was born uh, as what they called a hermaphrodite. And her parents had actually made the choice to, I think, like either sever her penis or change her anatomy in some way, I guess, to, you know, they had, quote-unquote, corrective surgery right which I, which is a real phenomenon that happens a lot and yes that's part of what the isna tries to prevent or, or at least try to have a discussion about like if it's medically necessary or whatnot but the word they used was hermaphrodite that is not a word that we like to use anymore uh hermaphrodite is uh i can't remember why i i honest I, I wish i could remember why the stigma is attached to it but i i, I think it's um because it was used also as a slur against trans people in some cases, where uh, people who were trans who weren't actually did not have the condition of hermaphroditism, hermaphroditism. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, what the plural is, mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, where they didn't actually have it, but were called that like in a slanderous or like mean way, malicious way. So you know, it does have some negative connotations to it, and the fact you know its origin, much you know, it has the same negative connotations as homosexual and bisexual do. However, it's a little bit more stigmatized in the intersex community because the, con- the number of conditions is so varied and so... And as, from what I can remember, hermaphroditism only refers to like a specific kind of intersex person. Like, okay. I think it's, I think it's, it is more of that visible, like where you have both a, a penis and a vagina kind of thing. So is um, it like all hermaphrodites are intersex, but not all intersex people are hermaphrodites? Exactly. Huh, okay. And hermaphrodite actually in and of itself is generally, even by people who fall under that category as far as I know. And again, this is uh, just based on the reading that I've done uh, and what I've heard from other intersex people. It's, you know, it's it's not a word they prefer because of all the negative connotations, even those who do right. fall under that category. So like... You know, we should essentially just take hermaphrodite out of the dictionary. Uh, so intersex is it, it the way I see it, at least. It, it feels a little bit more, you know, succinct and inclusive. So you know, it's I don't know. It, it's self-explanatory the way I see it. Got you. So you. So you, we were talking about how, um, you know, do we think that being intersex should automatically make you part of, you know, the queer community or not? But you are queer. I am. Um, I self-identify as androgynous. Uh, try the whole non-binary thing. I mean, I don't really fit into a gender within the binary, but I wouldn't call myself non-binary. It's just, you know, androgynous is the one term that just works for me. Yeah, it works for you. And, and, That's what matters. Yeah, 
and I'm a lesbian, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, for those reasons, I do belong in the acronym, but as an, but if I were, like, only as an intersex person, like, you know, when you say, oh, how many letters do you fit in the acronym, do you meet, do, uh, meet in the acronym, you know, because some people mm-hmm. can meet the L and the T and, you know, the G and the T and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, um... I yeah, think, I don't know, line. I feel like the line gets fuzzy when we're, ah, ah, ah I don't know, because <laughs> it's like, because yeah. we typically base, like, the way that we typically see it is if you have a penis and you're attracted to males, that's, makes, that's what makes you gay, but we're not considering yeah. gender identity in that equation, you know? Exactly. So, it is, that's, that's what makes it, that just definitely shows how much more there is for us to talk about and navigate with this mm. stuff before we can all actually begin to understand it. Yeah, put our pitchforks down and just get along. Like, yeah. So, um, in the notes that you gave me, you were mentioning that you that you being intersex contributed to your gender dysphoria. So, did you want to talk a bit about that? Oh yeah, uh, sure. Um, it well once I figured out that I was intersex and um, well. First of all, I guess I should preface this by saying that I see a psych- I see a psychologist who specializes in uh, transgender individuals and LGBT folks as well. And she said when I brought it up to her that it was entirely possible that uh, these that my that uh, my feelings of dysphoria could have stemmed from my intersexuality because uh, it wasn't until I hit puberty that I started feeling really dysphoric about my body feeling like something wasn't right here right and that theory was actually further confirmed or at least you know it was made clear to me uh i got put on nexplanon which is a progesterone only birth control and uh once that happened i actually didn't feel as much gender dysphoria uh interesting yeah so my therapist said and my therapist uh and the gynecologist actually they both said that it was probably due to the hormones kind of leveling out a bit. Sure. Uh, so not, so it had both, so that birth control both had a physiological benefit and then it prevented any more of those damn ovarian cysts from cropping up. Right. And it also had the effect of, I don't feel as, you know, weird and squicky about my gender anymore. Okay. I can just be. And honestly, it's quite the relief. And so do you think that therapy has been a really big, part in helping you get there oh absolutely i've been seeing the same therapist that same woman for now about five years and she's helped me work through so much even more than just the gender stuff like i mean you know like every lesbian i have daddy issues i'm kidding not every lesbian has daddy issues but come on um i'm kidding uh she's helped me work through uh a, a lot of stuff and Oh my god! I really don't want to be inflammatory there with my joke, uh, but yeah, uh, therapy. I would recommend anybody, no matter how mentally healthy they think they are. Which I don't think anybody could call themselves sane after the year we've had. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I know. But I, I recommend everybody see a therapist because it can help. I mean, see, it can help you get your house reorganized. You know, just work through the issues that are blocking you from doing what you need to get done. The way that I see therapy is like, you know, we all value our physical health. We know that it's important to go see a doctor. We know it's important to go see a dentist. You know what I mean? And a lot of times we don't wait until, 
you know, we're super sick to go and get checked out or we don't usually wait until our teeth are rotting out of our head to go and see a dentist. So it's like... Well, this country we might. Yeah, well, yeah. and it, But it's like, I guess maybe not by yeah. choice, you know? Oh, exactly, So it's like, yeah. if, we wouldn't, if we wouldn't put, you know, our physical health on the back burner in that case, then, you know, why would we do the same to our mental health? Absolutely. And it, And it's the same thing. It's like, there's preventative care and mental wellness therapy, behavioral therapy too. So. Exactly, and I will freely admit, I uh, I struggled with with uh, depression and suicide from uh, very from about age thirteen. That uh, was my very first suicide attempt. So I'm eleven years past that, yay! Uh, and also now six years past my last suicide attempt that I ever made in my life. Uh, so six years suicide attempt free. Well, um, glad to ha- we're glad to hear that. We're glad you're here. Oh yeah, I'm I'm glad to be here to be honest, uh, in more ways than one because and, you know, even with, you know, the hellish year we've all gone through, um, you know, that therapy is what keeps me going and, you know, reminds me that I have reasons to be alive, reasons to keep going, you know, not only because I have to, but there are reasons to want to. And I think that's very important because a lot of people just say, you know, you you wake up in the morning and you do what you do because that's because you have no other fucking choice. But you should want to do things because you want to, because you want to do them. You know, that's, you know, no, there is no greater motivator than self-interest. And I hate saying that, but it's true. No, it is true. And I mean, I just did an episode last week about self-care, you know what I mean? And and why yeah. it's important, why it's crucial, to, you know, mm-hmm. to take care of yourself and prioritize yourself. And mental, uh, like, and seeing a therapist is part of that. It's it's getting uh, your workout, your mental workout for the week. It's, yeah. You know, something that, and, you know, cause it, because it makes you evaluate things that you otherwise might have not evaluated at all. Or Yeah, you, know, you give yourself challenges the same way that you would when you're working out or dieting. You know what I mean? I'm exactly. faced with, I'm faced with this temptation. How am I going to respond? You know? Yeah. Should I throw egg, should I throw eggs at my ex stepdad's car or should I not throw eggs at my yeah, right. car? Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> but hey, you know, self care sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I guess next, what I wanted to talk about was, do you um face any um medical um issues because of having both uh, the male and female? Uh, reproductive parts, do you face any issues because of it? Because of being intersex? Actually, I, actually, I uh, started, and I do. I, it's, uh, because we haven't uh, really, because of the COVID-19 thing, we haven't really gotten a chance to explore it further, but my, sure. my theory, and this seems to be on par with, with what the doctor thinks, uh, is that uh, well, I have a condition called pelvic floor dysfunction, which basically means like that all the muscles in my pelvis are just iron, like ironclad, just tight. I can't mm. even have a regular pelvic exam without experiencing pain. Wow. It is, like, penetration is a no-go. Okay, I was going to say, could, so I'm assuming that that would make, uh, you know, penetrative sex very uncomfortable. Well, vaginal penetrative sex, no. Uh, oh. But I actually, uh, I don't know if it's just rubbing on the back of my G-strain, of, like, my, I'm, I'm going to get into some, uh, NSFW here, but that's nope, then again, this podcast is called food. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I'm going to dive right in. Um, I uh, I'm pretty sure my G spot is in like my anus. Like I'm okay. like I genuinely am wondering about that because 
I've never been able to find my own G spot. No, no girl has been able to find it, whether that's due to the PFD or not. I don't know. But either way, the only, and I can orgasm like by via anal penetration alone. Wow. So, uh, I bet overall I prefer clitoral stimulation best because I'm less sore afterwards. Sure. But, um, yeah, that's just, uh, you know, and so having PFD, it makes it really embarrassing in, you know, sexual situations with girls, especially when they didn't know what the problem was. Uh, like, you know, because they would, like, you know, want to finger me, and I'd be like, um, maybe, maybe we don't do that. You yeah, know? so it's like, uh, so yeah. vaginal penetration does not hurt, or? No, it hurts. Oh, oh it, hurts it, like it does hurt, okay. <sighs> yeah, even just a finger. Damn. Like, like, yeah, it sucks. I couldn't use tampons. Because I, I, I will say, like, I, I don't speak for all women, but I will say that it is definitely not common for, um, you know, a woman to get off <laughs> exclusively through anal. I can tell you that right now. Oh, well, I feel kind of good about myself. That, yeah, no, I mean, it's something that, like, I wish I could handle better. You know, it's something that I do. I'm like, I'll do this for you because I know that you like it, but just know... I want to move on to something else sooner than later. <laughs> oh my god, that is exactly how I feel. I mean, I love like I like wearing strap-ons for the first five minutes I'm wearing one, and then it just gets hard. Mm. No pun intended. Okay, pun a little bit intended. <laughs> um, because I, I didn't realize how freaking difficult it was to navigate one of those bad boys. Like, oh my god, and, right? and, and you're wanting me to like. Dude, and like this girl's like, and the, you know, the girl, with like, not right now. I mean, I'm just like in this, you know, the memory I'm reliving right now. She's mm-hmm. like, you know, wanting to get in all these different positions, and I'm like, you know, there's only so much coordination I have with this thing, right? Uh, and just, uh, yeah, it's. I found that the easiest way is just to be standing and go for it from behind. Like that's the like, <laughs> right. It just otherwise like a slip and slide on the bed and you know because they don't no ever do they don't ever show that in the fucking porno right slipping, like where the girls are like slipping and sliding on the on the bed like shit I can't get a good grip like Oh, no, shit, I know. Down. Well, and like, that's one of the reasons why porn can really misconstrue a lot of people's ideas of sex oh, and sexuality is because they edit all of the honest stuff out, you know. And so, oh yeah, it, it most certainly uh, didn't do me any favors, like coming out and stuff. But mm-hmm. you know, ultimately, I learned to enjoy it just for like, uh, just because I, I'm, I'm not really a big like. I've heard of uh, like weirdly enough, I've heard a lot of lesbian. I've heard the lesbians. I don't know how many. I've heard that it's a thing for lesbians to like gay, like male on male porn because it's a bit more, I guess, romantic and authentic. But I don't see the appeal. If you're I'm, a lesbian, I was gonna say I'm bi and I love gay porn. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> I, see, I'm more like I'm like I like the. Uh, I like the bisexual male porn. I would say. Okay, yeah, that's valid. If I had to have a, if I had to have a porn with a male in it, or honestly, I really just like female solo. Yeah. I mean, nothing beats it, and you know, nothing beats a classic. Uh, and also, you know, good inspiration for things I can buy in the future. Right. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so yeah. So speaking of that, like, what is dating like for you? Mm-hmm. 
I have my dating life's kind of non-existent. I've been solo. I've been uh, single for the past uh, two years now, but uh, mainly because I've just been focusing on school. But um, like in brief, in relationships radius, because there was so much unknown, there was a lot of I, I think internalized struggle and internalized hatred. Internalized. I wouldn't call it hatred, but just you know, a lot of dysphoria. I know played mm-hmm. into it. Um. Uh, it was always, I, uh, although actually this is the one consistent that I've noticed, uh, with, cause you know, I did say I was single. I never said that I haven't had sexual partners. Right. Uh, but, um, I, I need to keep my bra on whenever I have sex. I, I have huge boobs. I have, I have D's or double D's depending on the brand. Okay. Um, and you know, have, being androgynous with big boobs, kind of, uh, it's kind of a well, right. It's not the easiest thing in the world, and right. actually, so uh, I'm gonna and I'm gonna circle back to that big boobs thing in a bit, but uh, just I prefer to have a bra on because it you know lessens the dysphoria. It's the one bit of, like I just it, I cannot I like pe- like women can touch me like outside of the bra, but for the love of God, don't put your mouth there in it. Mm. Like, but on the opposite hand, I do like like my neck. Yeah, just, uh, I, I melt. It's like instantaneous. I'm like soaked underwear kind of thing. I, mm-hmm. I don't know why. Right. It's. But then if people start work. getting too close to your breasts, that kind of like a, triggers dysphoria for you. Oh yeah. It's like a siren going off like beep, beep, beep. No, like mm. no touchy, no touchy. Like, yep. So I feel um, like that's definitely something that you have to like disclose before you get intimate because I feel like, oh, I do. you know, I feel yeah. like the immediate response is always go for the boobs. Oh yeah. Like I go for the boobs. I'll be honest. I like boobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, but I always have to disclose that. I, I always feel really embarrassed about it. And it always makes me like the vibe I get from the women. And this can be totally wrong because, you know, again, I, I don't claim to have the best social awareness, but it always feels like they kind of, like it's kind of um, an uneven playing field, which I totally get because they're completely naked and I'm sitting near my bra, mm-hmm. like but naked, other, but completely naked otherwise. So you know, I kind of get it, but at the same time, it's like, I, uh, what else can I do? Do you see um, anything like um, a procedure for like reduction or removal in your future? Absolutely, I like a reduction okay. at the bare minimum. The thing is, I. Uh, I don't have the best track record for surgeries. Um, I had a pulmonary embolism when I was 15, which is a blood clot in my lungs. Mm. And that came as a result, partly because I was on uh, Nuvarang, which is a birth control. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, uh, what was it? Um, you know, family history, uh, surgery, all that jazz. So uh, I was told I couldn't have any other major surgeries unless they're like life-threatening. Mm. So... You know, other than the ovarian cyst removals, which actually, come to think of it, they were life-threatening because by the time they were, because I've had two surgeries and by the time both occurred, they were, the cysts had ruptured and like, or at least during the process of it and they very well could have killed me, so. Wow. Yeah, yeah so, uh, so that, that, that leaves a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of stuff so, up in the air. So, uh, you know, I really hope I can get a reduction. I'm hoping that I can get down to yeah, but I know, I know that's due in part also to my weight. Uh, so I'm hoping maybe I can just knock myself down, maybe one or two bra sizes. I don't think I want to do it completely because 
I don't think I'm quite there. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I really want a flat chest, per mm-hmm. se. I just don't want to look weird in suspenders. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, if, if you're, you know, if you feel comfortable being androgynous, then it makes sense that huge boobs don't really quite quite fit that bill. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I actually, uh, like, my sports bra is the only piece of female clothing I will typically wear on any given day, although I do love me some cardigans. I love me some white girl cardigan, cardigans, and I call them white girl cardigans because they're, like, the tan kind of, like, lifetime movie cardigans that you see. Right. Yeah, I, I love those. Yep. They're so comfy. I, yeah. I, I just love that shit. <laughs> Um, so, so uh, what is something that you want people to know and be aware of? Like, what is something that you think is misunderstood or just not known and you think is an important piece of information that could be put out there? I think for one thing, uh, first and foremost, just that intersex people exist at all. Uh, we're so underrepresented in, as I said, we're so underrepresented in media, and and you explained uh, that there are about as about. many intersex people as there are redheads in the world. So exactly, like natural. Na- I should have clarified natural redheads, right? Like natural born redheads, right? Um, so it it you know it is a very, and I also think it's very important to know that it is a wide range of conditions, and they, some may be visible and some may not be, but mm. ultimately what what defines an intersex person isn't, you know, their genitalia. Um, yeah, it's the person inside, same as a, you know, lesbian, gay, or transgender person is. Like, and I think that another thing that should be definitely acknowledged is corrective surgeries aren't necessarily always corrective. Uh, you know, parents, you know, of intersex children, this is a major issue. You know, they, they think they're making the right choice for their kid. And, you know, sometimes it's understandable. You know, the doctor may say, you know, this is a necessary procedure, but I encourage parents to do research and talk to more than just one professional. Right. Uh, you know, if they're considering doing that sort of surgery, because keep in mind, infants usually aren't uh, and, and aren't given anesthesia. And, the re- and I know this because of... Uh, circumcisions that's how circumcisions are performed is without anesthesia wow. so one can only imagine that the same is applied to other yeah. you know baby genital surgeries and it's just horrible yeah. uh, so you know you're going to put your baby through that really 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 consider it right and uh by the way that wasn't like i'm i'm actually like i my stance on circumcision is don't do it unless it's for religious reasons. Right. If you have valid religious reasons, go for it. But, you know, and that's also the same thing with intersex people. If you have valid religious reasons, then by all means. But, uh, but other, and also, you know, some of these conditions, you know, if, like in the case of a, you know, a baby girl born with labia sealed shut, it could be a condition that she may not be able to urinate. Right. So if it's a life, so if it is life threatening, then obviously, yeah, but make sure, like, right. you know, be sure about it. And right. Because ultimately what's going to happen is this kid's going to grow up and hate that you made that decision for them. Right, exactly. And I also encourage other intersex people to speak up and speak out. Like, you know, it's not a thing to be ashamed of. You know, it's something that, you know, it, it should be celebrated the same way 
that every difference, like everything that makes human beings different should be. Every, yeah, it's, intersex people have a lot to offer the world and, uh, and we exist whether and you know some of us may not even know we're intersex like i didn't know until i was in my 20s like right just and you know if you think that you may be intersex go to your doctor figure it out get hormone tests do whatever you feel is necessary but ultimately the one thing i will say is that you know if you find out that you're intersex later in life it does not change a damn thing about who you are as a person it is just a thing that happened to your body what defines you is you alone. And that was something that I tr- struggled with coming to terms with. Right. So. Yeah, I think that can be hard really for anybody. So I can imagine. Exactly. You know, you know you're labeled. Uh, I got made fun of actually in the locker rooms. Uh, when I was doing this is actually back to the big boob thing. Um, I have you know, my labia are so large that they're visible without when I'm wearing panties. And, um, I got teased so mercilessly uh, by the girls in the locker room during gym, like at gym class, mm. for my boobs and my lady. I was the girl with balls, you know that kind of thing. And or the slut with balls. I get slut shamed a lot, so I was usually a slut with balls. Jesus Christ! And, yeah, I got it. It was it, and actually it was so bad that, uh, that I I ended up uh, transferring schools. Uh, Sort of, you know, because of the bullying, but mainly because it was closer to home. Mm-hmm. I transferred high schools to attend a school at uh, where I ended up graduating, Chippewa Hills. And uh, in order to graduate, you had to take a gym class. But I got a, uh, I had a stipulation in my IEP, Individualized Education Plan, that stated that I didn't have to take a gym class because of the anxiety and the fear that it caused me I mean, right even like being in the locker rooms as an adult i get very nervous i can't like in gyms and everything i have to come in my gym clothes and leave in my gym clothes i'm right. not fucking changing yeah right it's, so and you know it's, so also like young kid you know i know i don't know if any i doubt young kids ever watch the show but like anybody who knows a young kid just tell them for the love of god don't like shame don't body shame right like it is oftentimes out of their control i didn't know why the fuck i had this large labia it was just a thing that i did right and it was you know right. cotton underwear that's another piece of advice i want to give to everybody cotton cotton freaking underwear mm-hmm. it is a lifesaver like it may not be that sexy 100 percent of the time but my god it is the best thing created by man well, and it's like, no, maybe they're not always sexy, but cotton panties allow more breathability for your downstairs. And so oh, yeah. and having a healthy pH is sexier than not having a healthy pH, in my humble opinion. So, oh, oh yeah. Like, I, and that's another thing with the large lady is I was subject to UTI infections my mm. entire life. I still get them. Chronic UTI infections. Oh, that's a double, I use that word twice. Uh, so, uh, because my labia are so large, they tend to kind of like, I guess, like close, like when I, you know, wipe, pull my hands up, etc. Uh, kind of like close over the urethra, and that traps bacteria inside. And mm. even when I was a toddler, this would lead to urine essentially not leaving my urethra. It would get trapped and go right back up my kidneys. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, actually, I'd have like a. I remember, like. I can't remember exactly what the procedure was, but I, but I had to pee on an operating table at some point. Uh, 
Wow. And, like, yeah, now I, I take Azo, which helps with the pain, uh, cranberry supplements, all that stuff. Gotta, okay. like, like, uh, and usually it will start burning if I didn't wipe well enough, and that's a sign that they didn't, and usually just pop some cranberry supplements and I'm good, so. Sure. Right. Yeah. Well, is there anything else, um, that you want to touch on before we wrap up on the recording? Uh, I think I'm good. I really said all I need to say. Uh, I'm so glad that I was able to come on and uh, share my story and you know, get a little bit of insight. So, and I really appreciate it. You. you know, I think it. I think it's so important, and I think that there are there could be a good handful of people listening who they didn't you know maybe they're just like you they didn't realize that they're intersex and they have a valid reason now to go and get things checked out or you know i don't know it's just like i really hope that if nothing else that people listen to this and we remember how different the human body is i'd like to give a huge thank you again to lee for coming on the podcast and giving us that awesome interview Thank you all for tuning in. I have so much fun stuff in the works for you guys. New content, new merch, giveaways, all that good stuff. Um, so just stay tuned and I am really excited.